Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. We're glad you're here today with us. We're glad you got an extra hour of sleep last night. That was nice. You can just lay in bed and not do anything because your time schedule's off. But uh, it was nice. So welcome, everybody. Again, welcome online. We're glad you're there. You're listening to Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches and in Palm Beach, Florida. So we're glad you're, you're here with us. And we're going to do as we always do, open up in prayer, okay? All right, Father, today we come to you, as we always do, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, Lord God, and we ask that we feel the presence of your Holy Spirit here today. We know he's here. We know he lives in the heart of each and every one that has received him as their Savior, and Lord, we know you're here, and we thank you. But not only do we want to know you're here, Lord, we want to hear your voice today. We want to hear what you have to say to the church. We want our ears to be open, our hearts to be open, our eyes and our minds to be open to what your Holy Spirit says through your word here today. So, Lord, we just uh, thank you for that. Father, we pray for this. this uh, we're going to pray for our nation, Lord. We're in turmoil. You know, people don't know which way to go. Lord, they're looking for answers from you. I pray that you speak to your people from heaven, you know, what they should do. I think number one would be call upon you. And you'll do great and mighty things which we cannot know or understand. So, Lord, that's what we do. Call on you to heal this land and bring repentance to the heart of your people and repentance to those around the world that, that know that they're sinners and fall short of your glory. And we pray that they call upon the Lord of heaven. And, Lord, that you would send a, a uh, spirit-filled believer to them that they might know that Jesus Christ is Lord today, Lord, wherever wherever you or you are, or wherever they are, whether they be in Africa or China or, or Japan or right here in good Palm Beach County, Florida. Lord, so we give this country over to you. We're going to call upon you. We are people called by your name, Lord. We're called Christians. We bear the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, let people see J Jesus in us as we go about our business not just today, but every day that follows. And Father, for your, to your be the glory for this service today. In the name of your Son, Jesus, amen and amen. Amen again, everybody. Welcome Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. We're glad you're here. Um, for those of you online, we're glad you're tuned in. You can tune in every Sunday at 10 a.m., you know, and we stream live. And uh, you can tune in on Thursday nights at uh, 7.15. We're studying in the book of Genesis. We're going to be in chapter 8 this coming Thursday. So, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting. A lot of good things, you know, we see in the Word of God. We see the Father, we see the Son, and we see the Holy Spirit so many times already in the first six chapters, seven chapters. So, come on out. Um, this Friday, no, not this Friday, next Friday, we'll... Um, well, let's just pass on that. But the men, remember men's 9 o'clock Saturday morning, we have our men's Bible study, and it's a good good group of guys. We have a good, you know, 10 to 15 guys, you know, and it's pretty cool, and we get to interact. Ray's been teaching. You know, he's one of our, our people here. He's been doing a great job. He's got, we set him up here for the first time he ever preached, and uh, and he he's into, he didn't finish, he's going to finish this coming Saturday. So he's going to be up there for three times. You know, he's not scared of the pulpit, that's for sure. 
So praise the Lord for that. And then we're going to split it around. Men are going to teach. We're going to make disciples instead of just hearing the word of God. We're going to make disciples out of you, whether you're 72, 82, or 22. You know, you're going to be able to preach the gospel and teach the gospel. So that's what the Lord told us to do. He said, make disciples. So there we go. Um, let's see. For those of you online, you know, there's on our, our website, which is freedomchurchpb.org. Obviously, you're there already. But, you know, there's a give button. There's a menu button. You can check out anything from all the services we have done over the years. Um, you can uh, donate online. You can find out about our elders and deacons, and you can find out what we believe in. Short, short verse, it's all about Jesus Christ in this church. So, so we want you to know that. Or for those of you that are not because of COVID, you know, you've got to keep your, your tithes and offerings coming into our church or whatever church you belong to. Again, you aren't going to hear this from every pastor, but I'm going to tell you if you're online and you go to another church, but you're watching Freedom Church, your tithe goes to your church. You know, you're, if you want to give a special offering to Freedom Church, then that's, that's great. But, uh, you know, uh, you keep your tithes going. If you don't keep your tithes going, the you know, churches are going to start dwindling away, you know, and, and the gospel is going to be stifled because the, the money, money, money isn't there to keep people going. You know, we know that we got Matt and Brett are leaving for Brazil, you know, this week. They were going to leave this morning, but their flight got canceled, so that's why Matt's here. If you think they're saying a ghost, no, their flight was canceled till tomorrow morning. But they're going down to Brazil to check on the church down there that was planted, and uh, he, you know, the statistics in, in Brazil say that 50% of the churches have closed down. So we want to keep the one or two that, uh, or three, whatever Brett has, you know, that he has started to make sure they're doing fine. So keep the tithe coming in. But even if you don't, the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church. I can guarantee you that. So praise the Lord. Um, I want you to know, too, in the back table, you know, um, there's daily breads for those of you that like devotionals every day. We got, this is the new diversional, you can see by the polar bears on there. This is for December and January and February. And there are prior months up there too. And also, this week the Daily Bread sent me this new one on, on uh, Christmas. The Peace and the Promise of Christmas. And they're on the back table also for you to take home. And I've, I didn't read any stories in it, but I'm sure it's all about the Christmas season. So, um, you know, take one home with you and take one home for your friends, too. And those little Gospels of John are in the back of your seat. They're not there for show. They're for you to grab, take, and give to people. And then we replenish them as, they, as they're uh, given away. So, um, let's see. For those of you here, you know we've never taken an offering. There's boxes in the back. I probably don't have to tell you that. Um, so you can give. And we thank you for that. Um, Lewis is going to lead us in prayer, and today we have communion, so um, get ready to prepare your hearts as Lewis um, brings us closer to the Lord with worship and praise. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Freedom Church. Father, we come before you in thanksgiving. We thank you for who you are, 
and we thank you for the sacrifice, grace, and mercy that you displayed each and every moment in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.
in your cleansing flow Thou all I know Your forgiveness and embrace Worthy is the land Sitting on the throne We crown you now with many crowns You reign victorious High and lifted up Jesus, Son of God The darling of heaven This heart adore you, hope of a life. 
Thank you for the gift, for the life that you give, and the possibility that when you, when we breathe, we breathe freedom, we breathe love, kindness, and goodness, because you are a good Father. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Father, I love that song we just sang. Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. It's so simple, Lord, but yet the world just don't want to hear it. Oh, Lord, if we, can only, if we can only open their eyes, but that's a job that only you can do. Open their eyes and their ears and their hearts to understand that all they got to do is call upon the name of the Lord. And what is that name? It's Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That was what was written on your, on your cross in three different languages. The King of, of the Jews, Lord. Father, all they have to know is the King of the Jews, and they shall be saved. Father, I remember that day, June 25th, 1977. The day I called upon your name, and I was saved. And I, that was the greatest decision that I've ever made. And, Lord, may the world out there, those that are listening to this service today, those that are listening right now to this prayer, that they would know that would be the greatest days of your life when you call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. One great friend of mine's father used to say this, give your life to Jesus and you'll never go wrong. And that is absolutely true. I can't think back to my life. If, if I didn't give my life to Jesus, what would I be like? I certainly wouldn't be up here. But, Lord, you, I called on you, and you changed my life. And that old person that I used to be is no longer existent. Father, it's me that lives now. I was crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And that's what we want for the world, Lord. 
They need to call upon your name. They need, it was you, it was us that was supposed to be crucified for our sins. But you took it upon yourself. And that's why everybody loves so God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And in that you demonstrated your love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, God. Look how great thou art. How great thou art. Father, we want to see your greatness today as we dig into your word. Lord, we want to hear from your Holy Spirit. Father, as we take communion, I want our hearts to be right before you as we partake of the bread and the cup, remembering your death until you come. So, Lord, we know you hear this prayer, and we know you will answer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated, church. For those of you online, I failed to mention it before when I opened up in prayer with a few announcements is get yourself a little cracker or a piece of bread and, and a cup of wine or a cup of juice or water, and you can remember the Lord's death till he comes. So we're going to do that now, but first we're going to have a reading, and I'm going to go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, and I'm going to read through 29. By the way, before we get on, uh, go further, if you ever called upon the name of the Lord and were saved, you still have another step that you can do, which is obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is be baptized in water. And in the back, we have one person signed up. We're going to have a baptism. And any of you have not been baptized, please sign up, and we'll set a date, and we'll get baptized, and that's a step of obedience. Um it doesn't mean you're saved by baptism. It means that you're obedient to the Lord. And I, as I said on Thursday night, what makes you think you're going to be obedient in the other things of your life if you can't follow the Lord in the simple water baptism? And I know when I got baptized and raised in a Roman Catholic family, my family and, and relatives were upset. But all I did was show them the Word of God. And the Word of God clearly shows that we need to be baptized in a step of obedience. And I think that will set you up for a great, uh, can I say, uh, success in your Christian walk. So do it. Don't be ashamed. Just do it. So here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 29. For I received from you, this is the Apostle Paul talking, for I received from you that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when, in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, and do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats and drinks this cup in, un in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let him examine himself, and so let us eat of the bread 
and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in the unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment unto himself. You know, Paul got a little strong there at the end. And he's telling you, don't take this lightly. Don't take this lightly. As a matter of fact, in that 26th verse, do it as often as you eat and drink of this cup and you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You do that every day. You get up, you eat breakfast, you drink your orange juice, you're, you're breaking bread, you're, you're uh, drinking. You know, you do that at lunchtime. You eat your sandwich, you take a drink of your, your water or Coke or iced tea, you're remembering the Lord's death until he comes. And then dinner time, same thing. You know, same thing. You, you take of the food, you break the bread, you drink of the cup in every day. The Lord has us doing this every day. So we need to do that. You know what I ever said? When I pray over supper, usually, if, especially when family's around, I usually say, Lord, as we eat from this pork chop, you know, uh, I remember your, your death or your broken body. Lord, as I drink from this cup of iced tea, I remember your blood that was shed for me. He wants you to do this every day. It wasn't a coincidence that God, Jesus said it this way. It was so that we could have a constant reminder of what he did for us. So, and we're supposed to examine ourselves, and that's what this is about. You, uh, deacons, you can go get the uh, elements. Um, he did this. He told us, to, you know, don't do it in an unworthy manner. Examine yourself. So today, you know, we're going to be teaching in Job chapter 14 and verse 14. And I'm going to answer, well, the Bible is going to answer for you the, the most, what can I say, the, the age-old question is going to be answered today. And this is part of it. The Lord, you know, the cup. Drink, don't eat and drink unworthily. Remember what the Lord has done for us. And don't forget the broken body and the blood that he, was, that he shed for us. So, thank you, Harry. Um, don't, remember, don't forget, examine yourself today. And when you walk out of here today, you know what? Put on that new, new person, that new self that you used to be, that you used to be, that's drifted back a little bit. You know, you put on Christ again today. Put him on. Put on the armor of God and walk out of here dressed in God's armor. So, examine yourself as the bread and the cup is, is uh, given out. And we're going to do this in remembrance of the Lord. And this is, I say it all the time, this is one thing the church has got down pat. We, every Christian church does this that I know of. I haven't seen a Christian church that doesn't. Some of them do it every day. Some of them do it once a week. Some of them do it once a month like us. Different days of the, different days, the first Sunday, the second Sunday, the third Sunday, the fourth, and even the fifth Sunday, the church does this. It's something we got down pat. And to remember him just doesn't mean to, you know, flip him off. No, when you walk out the door, you're a Christian. You're supposed to look like him. You're supposed to act like him. As best of your ability, we know you're a sinner, as you well know, but you know what? He covers your sin. Oh, no, he, he washes your sin away, should I say. You know, but you can walk out of here a new creature, and you can walk out strong in the Lord, renewing your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell everybody about those red-tailed suckers I used to see when I was a kid walking across Little Pine Creek. There's a, about a foot of water, and those little red-tailed suckers, they used to be uh, a, 
bunch of them. Could be 10, 12, 20 of them sitting there in the, in the flow, water flowing down. And, and they catch the food coming down in the ripples. These blood, red-tailed suckers, they're about a foot long, you know. Um, but as these as their suckers are standing there, you know, f- swimming upstream, not really swimming, trying to stay constant, trying to stay in the existing place, they really aren't. You stay there long enough, and you see them drifting back. And that's what happens to a Christian. If you don't stay in the faith, you drift backwards. And some of us notice it, and some of us don't. But those little red-tailed suckers, they used to s- scoot back up when they, when they uh, drifted backwards. And I'm telling you, scoot back up today. Scoot back up as we take from the cup and drink from the cup and, and the broken body of our Lord as we remember him. So in the same manner, Jesus took the bread and he broke it before his 12 disciples and he passed it out and he said, take, do this in remembrance of me, his broken body. And let's partake together, church. Thank you, Lord, for your broken body, Lord. We would be lost if you didn't find us. We'd be lost if you didn't save us. And we thank you. And in the same manner, Jesus took the cup and he passed it around to his disciples. He said, take and drink, for this is my blood, which is shed for this from you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's partake together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your broken body and your shed blood, Lord. And today I pray that nobody in this church, nobody over the internet takes it lightly that we examine ourselves and we can see how you answered the age old question. It's answered today in your word. And as we sh- scoot through the Old and the New Testament, and Father, for anybody that don't know you out over the internet or even in this church service, I pray this is a day that they call upon the Lord and be saved. And to you be the glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hasn't our God good to us? Awesome. Awesome God. I can't think what my life would be like if I didn't meet Jesus. Job, chapter 15. I'm going to read the first 15, or 14, Job 14, I'm sorry. I'm going to read the first 15 verses. Man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Like a flower he comes forth and withers, He also flees like a shadow and does not remain. You also open your eyes on him and bring him into judgment with yourself. Who can make the clean, who can make clean out of the unclean? Pay attention to that verse. Who can make clean out of the unclean? No one. Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you in his limits and his limits you have set that he cannot pass turn your gaze from him that he may rest 
until he fulfills his day like a hired man. For there is hope for a tree when it is cut down that it will sprout again and its shoots will not fail. Though its roots grow old in the ground and its stump dies in dry soil, at the scent of water it is flourished and put forth springs, sprigs like a plant. But a man dies and lies prostrate. Man expires, and where is he? As water evaporates from the sea, and a river becomes parched and dried up, so a man lies down and does not rise until the heavens are no longer. He will not awake nor be aroused out of his sleep. Oh, that you would hide me in shoal, that you would conceal me until your wrath returns to you, that you would set a limit for me and remember me. If a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my struggle, I will wait until my change comes. You will call, and I will answer you. You will long for the work of your hands, for now you number my steps and do not observe my sin. Here's the age-old question, verse 14. If a man dies, shall he live again? You know, the whole world's wondering this. The whole world. They've developed their own gods. Gods they made out of stone or wood. They carve it and they worship it. They worship something that they created. It don't live. It don't move. It has no being. It can't see. It can't touch. It can't feel. And they worship it. God's answering that question because every man asks, if I die, will I live again? Well, that's answered in this chapter. Pay attention to that just before we go on. I'll probably hit on it later. But verse 4, who can make the clean out of the unclean? That's going to be answered here in the New Testament, as we will see, in the Old Testament. Who can make the clean out of the unclean? And then it ends in a question mark. And then the answer is no one. But I have news for you. Did you know in Greek and Hebrew there's really no punctuation? I have to tell you the way I read this verse. Who can make the clean out of the unclean, comma, no no one. Who can make the clean out of the unclean, comma, no one, except you know who. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to make us clean. And you notice in the 14th verse, if a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my struggle, I will wait until my change comes. Every one of you that are sitting in here that know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, a change has come and come into your life. And therefore, you're no longer the old creature you were. You're now a new creature because your change came. Some happens, have some, it happens to some of us. I wish it were all of us. I wish America would wake up and see their folly. I wish the world could wake up and see their folly, but they don't. 
They wonder if a man dies, will he live again? They come up with all kind of dumb things like reincarnation. You know, they come up with other things. You know, if you lay on a bed of nails for 24 hours or whatever stupidity it is. The Lord did it all. You don't have to do nothing. And then the change comes to those who believe. Even in my prayer when I opened up, I said, I'm no longer the same guy I was before June 25th, 1977. That guy died. Even some of my high school uh, friends came up to me and said, what happened to you? You put signs all over your business. Jesus Christ is Lord. You have Santa Claus bowing down to Jesus in a manger. What happened to you? And then one lady, and I know her well, she said to me, I wish I had the strength you had. The question in the Old Testament that Job is asking here, and remember, Job's the oldest book in the Bible. This is an age-old question. The question is, if a man dies, will he live again? Job's all bound up with all kind of things that happened to him. He's going through the valley of the shadow of death. And he wants to know, if I die, will I live again? The question is very cloudy in the Old Testament, but much clearer as in the New Testament. It's shadowy in the Old Testament. Man who is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. Right off the bat, Job knows that we're all a bunch of sinners. He knows that he's a sinner. Man is born of woman, has a few days. We don't live forever. We're short-lived. We're short-lived. That dash between the birth and your death is could be, you know, who knows? One month, one hour, 150 years. But still, you know, you're born of women. Your days are few compared to eternity. As I said, the new King James Version said, it, man's life is short-lived. Why? I've asked people. You're 50-some years old. You, you know, God promises you 70 or 80 years, and you're going to continue down this path you're in. Don't you want to change your life now and enter into eternity where you'll live forever, or would you rather live these next 30, 40, 50 years? And one lady said to me, yeah, I'd rather live the 30, 40, 50 years. And I'm going, oh, you want to tear your beard out. Actually, Psalm 90, verse 10 says the man's years are three score and ten. Three score is 70 years, and ten added to that is 80 years. You know, really, man, the average I heard on the news just this week or last week that the average life of man is like 78 years old. The average. Now, I know people in their 80s and 90s, and some of them come to this church. I'm not quite there yet, thank God. <laughs> I'm close, though. He's full of trouble. He's full of turmoil. Ezekiel tells us this in 1830. He says, sin, iniquity is a stumbling block to man. So our sin is a stumbling block to man. And it's a stumbling block to your life. But you, you want to hang on to your life, which is, which is a bunch of trouble. And you well know. I figured if I wasn't a Christian by now, I'd, I'd probably have a record somewhere, I'm sure. 
He comes forth, verse 2. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. Like a flower, he just fades away. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of God stands forever. And that's why here it is 2,000 years later, the New Testament, and not counting the Old Testament, which is thousands and thousands of years before that. The best-selling book in the entire world. They can't keep up with, even though a lot of people don't come to know God, they know they have Bibles in their house that they're never opened. It's the most desired book of all times. Written by 40 different people over 1,500 years. And they're all saying the same thing. Most of them were not contemporaries of one another. God put this book together, and it goes through the centuries. Like a flower, though, man fades away. Like a shadow, he's gone. You know, when I read that, I'm thinking, Peter Pan. I remember Peter Pan. You know, Peter Pan had a shadow, but sometimes that shadow would disappear. Or it would be doing something else while he's doing something else. Well, that shadow's going to disappear. Your shadow of your life's going to disappear. Think about the, the people that died in, in 1000 A.D. Where's their, where's their headstone? Where's their casket? It's all turned to dust. People ask me about, listen, should I be buried or should I be cremated? I says, it depends. Do you want to turn to dust faster or you want to slow it down? The answer is we're dust. You're like a shadow. Man is frail, but he thinks, you know what? The rock thinks he's tough. No, he's not. He's tougher than you. You know what? I, I amaze at these movies that are being made. The Hulk, he jumps from mountain to mountain and don't get even get hurt. Rambo gets shot all up, and the next thing you know, he gets his arm practically blown off. The next thing you know, he's using his arm shooting a Gatling gun at somebody. And they're like, how did you recover so quick? No, we're frail. Man thinks he's indestructible. Hey, when I hit the shores of Vietnam in like around May of 1971 I knew I wasn't indestructible when they said we're going a convoy up along the South China Sea in between the the uh, the uh, South the hills there what do they call that the oh gee you know the mountains were there you had snipers sitting in a mountain they said make sure you put your helmets on so we're sitting in a truck going just waiting I knew I was indestructible I was like 20 years old at 20, I figured out I was destructible. Rambo, Mission Impossible. Did you ever watch? You ever watch Tom Cruise? I oh, mean, how could you do those things? You'd be dead the first trick you ever did. That would be it. We're frail, but they think we're tough. Superman, faster than a speeding bullet. Yeah, right. He can just stop that bullet with his teeth. I don't think so. Here's Job's prayer in verse 3. And God, and do you open your eyes on such a one? He's saying, God, do you open your eyes on me and bring to judgment with yourself? In other words, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, Lord. Job's acknowledging here he's a sinner. There's none righteous, no, not one. And that's what every man has to do. He has to acknowledge that he's a sinner. 
I told you about my dad. My dad shook his face. We were fixing a light in the living room in the house. He's on a five-foot ladder working on a light. I'm preaching to him about Jesus. He stood on a ladder like this and said, Don't you ever tell me about Jesus again. And I shut up for 18 years. You know what God told me? I have it all under control. Everywhere my dad went, he ran into Christians, born-again Christians, most of them pastors. And I'm here like, you don't need me, God. But then when he starts saying, you know what? I've been thinking back over my life. I wasn't such a great guy after all. I finally figured out he was ready. He's ready. And he knew he was a sinner. You have to know you're a sinner to be saved. You might be better than something else, but you know, somebody else, but you're not better than God, and therefore your righteousness doesn't count. There is none. Verse 4, who can bring the clean out of the unclean? No one. I say that's a question, the whole verse, not just a, a, a question mark at the end of unclean one and no one. I say it's a continue on. Who can bring clean out of the unclean? No one on earth. No one on earth could do it. At least not in Job's time period. But God will do someday because we see it in the 15th verse or 14th verse until my change comes. Old Testament hints at life after death. Turn to Psalm uh, 15, verse 17. Psalm 15 and verse 17. Oops. Wait a minute. Psalm Psalm, uh, 17 and verse 15. Sorry. Had it reversed. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness, and I will be satisfied with your likeness when I awake. You ever wonder why Jesus always said, you know, Lazarus is sleeping? He always referred to death as sleeping. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. He's going to wake up. There's a few hints at this. David is writing it. He even, he even capitalized that on when, when his son died in 2 Samuel that was between him and Bathsheba. When when the son died, he took off the sackcloth and ashes. He went and bathed. He cleaned himself up, put on new clothes, and went and ate. And they were wondering, why are you doing this? Well, see, David understood that even though he could, you know, his son was gone, he'd never come back to him, but he's going to go to him. That means he's alive. That means that son's alive, and he knew it. In verse Job, in verse 19, verse 26. After my skin is destroyed, Job is saying, yet from my flesh I will see God. It's been answered in the Old Testament. kind of shadowy, though. Real shadowy. Now, when we get to the New Testament, we see verses like 1 John. And now we have a new revelation. If you remember, we took communion. And what Jesus was actually doing, he was turning the old covenant of sin and death into a new covenant of life. So, 
Job is saying, my, after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I will see God. Then you could go to 1 Thessalonians, you know, chapter 4. I'm going to turn there and I'm going to read. Because this is an important verse and we use it all the time because it's true. The 13th verse, 1 Thessalonians 13. I'm going to read until, until about the 16th verse. But we do not want you to be uninformed. Paul's telling the Thessalonian church and the church today, he doesn't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Yes, they're dead, but he's going to bring them with him. How can that be? You know what? He's going to raise our bodies. Yet in my flesh shall I see God. He's going to raise, he's going to raise the body. And then here their bodies are going to be reunited with their spirits that are coming back. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, we will not proceed those who have fallen asleep. A change is coming. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, in the clouds. And thus we will always be with the Lord. And then the next verse, comfort one another with these words. God's answering the age-old question. The age-old question, if a man dies, will he live again? Absolutely. For those of us that lost loved ones, mothers, fathers, children, aunts, uncles, friends, church members, we have that hope. We have that hope. Encourage one another with these words. We live. We live. Job knew it, but he, it was shadowy for him. Even in Amos chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Israel, God's talking to Israel, prepare to meet your God. That's my message today, too. For those of you who don't know God, prepare to meet him. Because he's there. He's alive. He's well. You know why? Because Isaiah tells it this way in 52.10. He says, in the end, all will see God. That means that little pygmy in Africa that means the person in Japan that means the person that you witness to in Brazil you're going to see God their salvation they're going to see the salvation of God Jesus he even told Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin he said someday you're going to see me coming back in glory and power sitting at the right hand of God the Father He told us, but when that day comes, Matthew 24, so will the coming of the Lord, the Son of Man be. There will be two men in the field, one will be taken and the other left, and two women working at the, at the uh, grinding mill, one will be taken and the other left. You know, when I was in Bible college, I was telling, uh, I was telling Joe and Jim the other day, Thursday, when I was in Bible college, they wanted to attach this verse to the second coming. And I've studied it and studied it and studied it over the years, and I don't see it as the second coming. I see it as the first, uh, as the rapture. 
you're, you know, we're going to be going about our normal business. As in the days of Noah, so will it be when the Lord returns. We're going to be sitting in church or, you know, some of us believe and some of us don't. And all of a sudden, some of us are just going to disappear. And some people may be made le- be left. One will be taken and the other left. It's going to say you could be working in the mill. And one of you will be taken and the other left. And when your family looks back and says, hey, it's all the Christians that are gone. It's the babies that are gone. They're going to say, call upon you, Lord, and I shall be saved. The day's coming. It's without a doubt. There's 365 prophecies in the Bible that tell you Jesus Christ is coming in the first, the first time. It's like double that for the second time. He said it in the first, in the Old Testament, he's coming, and he came. You know what? He said in the New Testament, he's coming, and he's coming. There's no doubt about it. It's just when. I hope it's today. I hope it's before the election, so we don't have to know who wins. <laughs> I know who wins. I mean, we'll be winning in the end. The world will be messed up. Who can be clean then? Well, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.10, it was Christ who brought life and immortality. Christ that brought it. They're waiting for Messiah. Even a psalm, David writes, kiss the son. Even in the, in the Old Testament, talks about the coming Messiah. Even, even Enoch prophesied that the Lord was coming back. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, was talking about the coming of the Lord. He's coming back with the saints. First John says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all of our sin. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. I was a wretched man. I'm a wretched man today, I'm a, I'm, as I say all the time. I've been a Christian for over 43 years, and I'm still amazed at all the junk that flies through and out of my brain. That hard drive just won't empty out. But when my change comes... Thank God. All that junk will be gone. Since his days, verse 5 and 6, since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you, you have appointed his limits. God has appointed our limit. There is a coming day so that he cannot pass. Yes, sir. People say to me all the time, I'm a, uh, if you've been in this church, you know I believe that uh, we can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I know that you know that I believe that, that uh, we can lay hands on somebody with cancer and, and they'll recover. But if they don't recover, people say to me, Pastor Joe, we prayed for this person and that person, and they didn't recover. And I answer them with this verse. Here it says, Since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you, Lord, the Lord knows that day. You can pray till you're blue in the face. You can fast for 40 days and 40 nights. But if that day is established of that person's going home, you are not going to change it because God has already established it. So that's my answer. Listen, must have been the day that God assigned, but we still have hope because I've seen bunches of people healed and delivered and demons cast out. But God has our day set, and we don't know what day that is. Your days are numbered. They're limited. We all go the way of the earth, and God alone knows that day. 
But Job sees, Job's, listen, as we read these next verses, and I'm going to go back there to Job, chapter 14. As we read these next verses, it's verse 7. One more page. For there is more hope for a tree. Listen, this is Job's thought. There's more hope for a tree than man. Because if you can water a tree, you can cut it down, it will sprout again. And its shoots will not fail. For those of you that are living in Florida, you know, my brother-in-law cuts my grass for me. And I, I, I like this little one tree that, that I bought. Me and Liz bought one for each side of the house. Well, the one on the other side died. But the one on the east side, flourishing. So I said, i got to find one of those trees. What is it? Can you tell me where? He says, just cut off a branch, stick it in the ground, <laughs> and it'll grow. And I said, Really? For two years, I'm wondering where I can find that tree. So I did. I planted it. And I got, you know, I got all of them are alive. I put off like four of them. All four of them are alive. They're already setting, they have flowers on them. And I'm going, this is what Job is saying. He says he feels so deserted in his afflictions that he's saying, he's saying, there's more hope for a tree than for me. He's really in turmoil here. Then he's going to go on in a few verses. If, if I die, will I live again? That's what he's saying. More hope for a tree. Even a tree spreads life. Even you can cut off its stump, and it'll grow out the side sometime. And even if the stump dies, it's saying here that even under the ground, there's probably live growth. Though its roots grow old in the ground, and its stump dies in the dry soil, at the scent of water, it will flourish and puts out forth sprigs like a tr like a plant. What did Jesus say to the woman at the well? He said, if, "Give me a drink." And she said, "You know, I don't. You don't have anything to draw with." Well, he said, "Well, if you knew who was asking you this, you would ask for living water. Here it is, the living water. Do you want to live forever? It's the living water." Jesus is identifying himself in John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. He's saying, you know, if any of you are thirsty, let him come to me and drink. <laughs> you want to live forever? Come to Jesus and live for him, and, and you'll live forever. He is the water that Job is talking about here. At the scent of water, it will flourish. And just you coming to Jesus Christ, who is the well of salvation, according to Jeremiah, you know, the well of salvation, you just come to him and you have life. And if any one of you are thirsty, come to me and I will give you eternal life. He's, the, he's our well of salvation, Jesus is. And remember, in Jeremiah, he, he came on the scene, he says, I have this again, God speaking, I have this against you. 